0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Good evening,
2: everybody. Welcome to the Once Upon a Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Van Norman, and I'm joined by my other host, Amy Hood. Hello, Amy Darling.
1: Hello, Darling. How are you today?
2: Doing very well. It was supposed to be raining in Seattle, and only part of the city got it. So the other part of the city was in the sunshine, which was kind of nice. So really nice day. Nothing major going on, really. Just cool. Just cool. You know the once upon a time averse. So, all right, everybody, let's go ahead and get on into this. We're doing our, uh, our show for an hour and a half today. So I just want to let everybody know that because we did do an hour show last week, but we found that we just didn't have enough time for the discussion, and we had some people send us messages asking us to keep going with the hour and a half format. So that's what we're going to do. And I'm going to issue my usual warning that if you're trying to join us in the chat room, it might take a couple of uh, page refreshes before you're able to see the chat room. But it is open now. We've already got some guests in there. Say hi to Rose, Sarah, and um, Angie. Hi, guys. Steve in there. Or hi, ladies, I guess I should say. Or women or whatever the (laughs) correct term would be. Whatever one you prefer. Not trying to offend. And, um, yeah, so go ahead and join us in the chat room. We'd love to hear from you. And also the call-in number tonight, as usual, is 347-677-1653. Again, that's 347-677-1653. So if you want to call in, um, go ahead, we would love it. Um, we hopefully will be able to get to as many callers as we, as we get, and then we'll be having another one of our staff members from Once Upon a Fan calling in later on to uh, share her point of view as well. So let's go ahead and get on into this with our, um, our weekly news roundup. So the first thing that we've got going on is that WonderCon happened over the last weekend that just ended. It was April um, 18th through the 20th in, Anna, in uh, California, Southern California. And, uh, yeah, lots of uh, interesting information came out in, uh, in the WonderCon stuff. We've got some video interviews online with Rebecca Mader and um, Josh Dallas, as well as Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kistis, talking about the show. Um, lots of really interesting stuff to come out of those interviews. Um, uh, Rebecca Mader said that any second now, Glinda and Dorothy will be joining the show. Um, which I know a lot of us were curious about the you know Dorothy's character and whether or not one of the existing characters was going to be you know Dorothy or if um, they were actually going to bring a Dorothy character on so that's that's pretty cool um that that we know for sure that Dorothy is coming uh, for me personally, we have the sh- the uh, episode Kansas coming up in uh, two weeks, not this next Sunday but the Sunday after and my own personal theory on the whole Dorothy thing is that somehow some way um an elderly Dorothy is going to be on the show I don't think she's going to be a teenager or anything I think that it's going to be a situation where the Dorothy that shows up is an old woman who went to Oz back in the 30s because um you know kind of playing off the movie so that's just that's what Mm. I think is going to happen but yeah Mm. that's, that's my thing I yeah, I think it's just going to be an old woman Dorothy who's telling them, you know, that yes, I've met the Wicked Witch, and here's what happened to me, and the story that you know is not the story that happened, and you know that kind of thing. So that's just my oh my
1: gosh! And you know, theory. we have that older couple that keeps popping up—the Carl and Ellie-ish couple. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be something if it turns out that that's Dorothy? Ooh, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. One thing I wanted to say about the WonderCon, now that we're talking about the interviews, I love when Rebecca Batter, and not that this happened to her, but she said that from the ages, I think she said like 4 to 14 or 6 to 14 or something, it was a very long time in her life when she was young, that she had been bullied and that she used a lot of that to, um, you know, to put into her performance and things the feeling of you know, being an underdog and getting picked on and things. And as a parent of a child who went through a lot of really severe bullying for a few years in school, I thought that that was just really great of her to say because I feel like it shows younger fans and even, you know, adult fans who may not, you know, be bullied in different aspects of their life that obviously, you know, it does get better because look how far she's come and where she is now, and she came from um, this this background of getting picked on for so many years. So I really thought that that was just really, you know, a great moment for for her that came out of WonderCon.
2: Yeah, I really like that, too. Um, for me, myself, I was bullied quite a bit when I was younger, um, especially in the middle school years. So I found it really... It made her so much more um, kind of human, almost like accessible, I think is the word I'm looking for. It just made, it made me appreciate Rebecca Mater more as a person and kind of like her more a little bit. So she actually, like you said, took the time to say that she was bullied and she used that because bullying is such a, you know, it is a kind of a serious problem going on in the world right now. So I like the fact yeah. that she said that too. It was good stuff. Um Some other good points here that we've got, and mind you, there might be some spoilers in this, too, because we are talking about some upcoming stuff. So I'm going to issue a spoiler alert, give everybody five seconds to turn their ears away so you don't know what's going on. Okay. So this is the thing that I find most interesting. Josh Talis told reporters that we're going to, he said, quote, we're going to go back and find out who cast this curse. So that's going to be great. You're going to know who cast the curse. You're going to know why we're all back and why none of us um, remember that missing year. Uh, he also said, quote, there's going to be a decision made back in fairytale land between Regina, Snow, and Charming that's going to affect everyone. Now, that comes from the TVLine.com article. That article comes from TVLine, and we shared that on the main Once Upon a Fan's uh, Facebook page and Twitter. Um, we can put up a link to that later on for Facebook and uh, for Twitter, for the podcast page if everybody wants that. But um, I find that really interesting because there's some commentary by um, – Matt Midovich and he says that you know is anyone else thinking when well, I'm thinking that Zelina is not the one who uncorked this curse that maybe Regina did it in the name of a greater good and I'm actually wondering I don't think that that is the case actually and, I, and it, it's a topic that I think is important that we kind of that we look at a little critically here everybody because in order for the curse to be cast somebody's heart had to be sacrificed somebody that somebody loves had to be sacrificed one way or another and, you know, Regina, she loves Robin Hood, basically. I mean, whether she knows it or not, he's her true love. And maybe they don't have love yet, exactly, but they've got some romantic interest. Robin Hood is obviously still alive, so it wasn't him. Um, for a while, I thought that maybe Snow was the one who cast the curse, but Charming is still alive, so it's not him. Um, and I thought maybe the same thing, maybe Charming did it, but Snow was still alive, so it's not him. Um all of the main characters have returned to the Enchanted Forest, as far as we can tell. Um, All the dwarves were there. Granny, Red, um, Jiminy Cricket was there. So I'm not sure who would have been sacrificed and who cast the curse. So I'm really interested to see how that's going to play out. And that quote in particular really caught my eye. Um, Amy, what do you think about that?
1: I am hoping that it's going to be something really shocking and I have a feeling, and send me hate mail, because this is not what I hope happens, but this is what I, what, uh, yet again, another crazy theory of mine that is probably way off and not true. I'm wondering if no cast occurs, she sacrifices charming parts, and Regina's able to preserve him the way that she preserved Henry when Pan ripped his heart out and that it's a temporary thing, and that that is what the big twist is. I think that would be, I don't know, I think it would be horrible to lose Charming, obviously, because, you know, we love Snow and Charming, but I really, I mean, the way they're talking about this being such a dark thing, and it's going to be a surprise, and, you know, I, I almost feel like that's going to be it, because Regina doesn't have anyone in that past year of, store, of fairy tale land other than possibly Robin Hood, that she was loved enough or have some kind of bond with enough yet to sacrifice that heart. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. I, th- I find that really, in- you know, that's a that would be just, that would be so unexpected because then, like, Charming would die maybe, like, there would be mm-hmm. some. And Neil would major come back. I think they're
1: going to get a reset. I think they are going to go back in time. Oh, yeah. I see a reset happening, and I think we're getting Neil back when that happens. Again, flying my Neil is not dead flag until the end. So just throw Fly it until out Until the air. end, baby. Absolutely. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Um, I, I agree. Um, I have a theory about the whole time resetting and cursing that's going to happen, but it's actually um, – there's something in this episode that happened is what gave me the theory, so I'm, I'll talk about it in, in um, a few minutes when we um, are discussing what happens to Snow after Cora has taken possession of her body. So, uh, yeah, I have a theory about that, too. Um, I also just want to point out one more thing. Um, it's not really news-related, uh, really, but – um, there were some publicity pictures that ABC released of um, Glinda and kind of the you know the upcoming episode, and I tweeted about it. And I also um, – I actually, I don't think I, I put it on Facebook. I only put it on Twitter. But um, Glinda is wearing a necklace that, except for the jewel in the center, is the exact same design as Zelina's necklace. And I can't help but notice that because I have been saying since, the beginning of the Oz storyline that Zelina's necklace has some kind of significance one way or another. And Uh um, now seeing that Glenda has a necklace too, it really reinforces that fact for me. Um, I'm really wondering who the other two witches will be, because I'm going on the assumption that the witches of Oz are the ones who wear those necklaces. So, Uh You know, I, I can't help but notice that this year, you know, Regina has had a lot of necklaces on or neck wear, shall we say, where it's almost like a, a very elaborate choker necklace piece. Um, she's had that. And then also Emma got her swan necklace back from Neil before yeah. he died. So I'm wondering if the other two witches, you know, quote-unquote witches laws are going to be Regina and Emma. That's kind of my idea. I mean, obviously Regina mm-hmm. would be the Wicked Witch of the East because she is the Wicked Witch of the West's sister. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what I'm thinking at least, because also Maine is in the East Coast, you know what I mean? So she's the Wicked Witch of the East. So,
3: right.
2: yeah, I I'm, I am wondering if if Emma is going to be the one who, you know, ends up being the other the other witch. So lots of good stuff, lots of good stuff coming out. Um, but yeah, so I'm interested 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 to see what's going to happen with that. Also at WonderCon, Adam Horowitz and Eddie Kisses they spoke. Um, They said that Henry's memory issues will be decided before the end of the season one way or another. Um, I hope
1: it's the way that he gets his memories back, because I I don't like this with him not having his memories. I I wish he would hurry up and get them back. I don't know if that's an unpopular feeling among the fandom or not, because I really haven't seen a whole lot of comment on it, but I hope he gets them back soon. I really do.
2: Yeah, me too. Um I I actually yeah, I I have a few points to say about Henry's memory <laughs> loss and a few of the things. Um I have I have kind of an editorial commentary, if you will. I'm not the editor of Once Upon a Fans by any means, Gareth Hughes is, but um I do have my own kind of podcast editorial comment on that whole thing. So we'll get to that later on too. I've got a lot to talk about today. So then um We've got some other news here, uh, which I think that Amy has some birthday news for us from this past week.
1: Yes, our Sean McGuire, who plays Robin Hood quite well, we might add, and, you know, he is fast becoming a big fan favorite, even though, you know, he's only recently becoming more and more part of the show, but he had a birthday this past week, so we want to wish a happy birthday to him, of course. I believe it was the 18th that it was his birthday. And also, I don't know if you all saw it, but Lana did a photo shoot for a magazine called Regards Magazine, and the whole thing is online. And it is absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it is, some of the pictures are just, Lana's always gorgeous anyway. You guys know I'm madly just crazy for Lana. I think she's fabulous. She looks perfect in these pictures, so good
2: yeah she looks really gorgeous um i mean I like you said Lana always looks fantastic, but it's really really gorgeous photographs. I'm loving the lighting in a lot of them um very natural light, very bright, kind of happy, you know uplifting more It's not I like that they stayed away from like an evil queen theme, you know what I mean I like to see other sides of lana um yeah. so I really. Yeah. I'm really happy that they didn't just, you know, like there's not a bunch of apples in the pictures or something like that, because I think that would have been kind of lame. So, yeah, um, that's pretty much it in there. And then today is Earth Day, and we want to say Happy Earth Day to everybody, because um, the Earth is our home. It's extremely important that we all do what we can to, you know, like recycle and reduce carbon emissions and go green and all those things. It's not yeah. just like a trend or something, it's kind of essential for our survival. Um, I mean, for me, in here in Seattle, I can tell you that when I was a kid, we had winters, like autumn and wintertime, it was always pouring down rain. Always. Um, You know, you always had to have an umbrella, because locals in Seattle, we don't carry umbrellas. And so you would have to have an umbrella and a raincoat and all these layers and things like that. For the past couple of years, our winters have been so dry uh, very, very little rain. And, you know, we're already seeing the effects of that because, you know, trees and stuff up here that normally get all that rainfall, a lot of them are turning brown and stuff like that. So even the stuff that's happening across the rest of the country, I know it's happening everywhere, but, you know, we mm-hmm. really see it presently in Seattle. So I just want to make sure that everybody knows that it's Earth Day and, you know, turn out your lights when you leave the room. Don't have your water on while you're brushing your teeth. Try, you know, all that kind of stuff. Just doing my, okay. my, my uh, Good Samaritan job here doing some PSA.
1: (laughs) We did gardening Uh today, and I actually sent pictures to Zach because we were, my husband and I were at Home Depot shopping, and I saw how cheap the bricks were and the spray paint. So uh, I'm sure none of you will be shocked (laughs) but with my love of Oz. We bought several bricks and some yellow spray paint and some flower seeds. And so in our little backyard garden, we're putting in a little yellow brick path, and we're planting poppies along the sides of it, and I'm going to, you know, try and craft a little small scarecrow to put back there, too, and it's behind our house, so, you know, the people walking by the front and sides won't be able to witness all of my crazy. but, you know, it'll be back there for me, and I'm all excited about it, so I'll tweet some pictures, and on another side note, just to tell you how loopy I've been today. I was out there, and I told Zach this happened. I was looking across the neighborhood yard, and I saw the biggest rabbit I had ever seen in my entire life. I said, I told my husband, I said, oh, my God, look at the size of that rabbit. It's like huge. And then it caught a frisbee in its mouth, and I realized it was just our neighbor's dog. So it has been kind of a crazy, hectic <laughs> little bit of a day, but... That was what we did for Earth Day. We started our little yellow brick road garden in the backyard.
2: Yeah, and the, just the the pictures that I've seen of kind of the the pre sorry, the preliminary work, it looks pretty cool. I can't wait for it. It's, I I'm so excited for you, that project for you, just because I know how cute it's going to be. And eventually, when I come visit you at your house down in Orlando one day, then yes. you know I'll be able to see it too. Yeah. So. Um, and also, when we were doing the convention stuff, I made a mistake. Uh, not a mistake, but I left some stuff out. So I just want to let everybody know, give everyone a reminder that Spooky Empire's Mayhem convention is coming to the Doubletree by Hilton at the entrance to Universal Studios in Orlando from May 30th. Through, it's May 30th through June 1st. Um, mm-hmm. So Wanda um, Brie is going to be there. Rebecca Mater is going to be there. Lee Ehrenberg. Um, Oh, gosh, who else is going to be there, Amy, Sean John Sean McGuire. Sean McGuire thank thank will be there, too. Or welcome. Uh, so just oh, want to yeah, make we're... sure that everybody knows that, that convention, too. And then, um, obviously, July has San Diego Comic-Con coming, and we will have um, full coverage for you from that event. Um, I'm going to be attending for um, press, kind of covering the press room. So we will have all of the coverage this summer, just like we did last year, for... San Diego comic-con cannot wait to bring you guys those interviews and find out what kind of, you know, mysteries or can't, you know, answers I can get out of everybody for season four. Um, and kind of talk about things that happened in season three, because I think this has been a really powerful season. Um, kind of, it's, I think it's giving season one a run for its money to be honest, but, um, yeah, there's a lot Definitely. of stuff to that. And, Angie, I see you in there that you'll be at the, uh, that you'll be at Comic-Con. I can't wait for that. I can't wait to see you again, my darling. Um, oh, and oh, Marie in the chat room, you're offering me to, oh, you said I could come to Argentina. Oh, absolutely, darling. We can go to all the waterfalls and drink coffee and go to the beach. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah, Marie, let's do it. Argentina, I'm so <laughs> down for it. Okay, and then um, we do also know what, what next week's episode title is. Obviously, we've known that for some time. Um, there's also a lovely promo for that episode, which looks very intense. Um, but we'll, uh, I think we'll talk about that when we get to the end of the episode because we can't talk about what's going to happen before we talk about what has happened. So with that being said, let's launch on into this. We're going to be doing the same thing that we have been doing for the past couple of weeks where we um, kind of recap the flashback storyline first and then um, we'll do the present-based storyline afterwards, everybody, okay? So here we go. In the flashback. We see, I mean, it starts out with Cora at a bar. She's, you know, a bar wench. And, you know, she's serving this guy. She sits down to talk to him, and he claims to be Prince Jonathan. And immediately the first thing I thought was, oh, it's Prince John, like from Robin uh, from Hood. From
1: Robin Hood, okay. right. <laughs>
2: yeah, right, okay. So then he, you know, they have a conversation, and he proposes to Cora with a, you know, a ring made out of straw. And I was like, girl, really? Come on. You, you could do better than that. Like some wheat or something? Like, you know, there's got to be something else that he could have chosen. But, yeah, um, he says that he can turn straw into, you know, that when he comes back, he'll turn her straw ring into gold. And it kind of, it made me laugh because um, Jane Espenson on Twitter, she did confirm that this episode happened before the Miller's Daughter so when Jonathan says that he's going to turn the Ring of Straw into gold, I thought to myself, oh, so now we know where Cora got the idea to claim that she could do that from the Miller's daughter. She got that idea right. from stuff that happened in this episode. So I like how they kind of brought that roundabout. about. Mm. So then she offers, you know, since they're, like, engaged, she offers to accompany him, you know, keep him company in his room for the night. <laughs> so then um, two months later we see that Cora is in the rain and she's waiting for Prince John and she's got probably the worst umbrella I've ever seen. It looks like an umbrella out of a tropical drink, to be honest, something that I'd be drinking in Argentina with Marie <laughs> or in Florida with you, Amy. So yeah, um, yeah. she has she's under this umbrella. And, it spe- and it really, though, I think that, that the fact that her umbrella was so kind of crappy, I think that that speaks to her like her income level and the fact that she was so poor that she couldn't even afford a decent umbrella. So I do like that. That's pretty nifty. Um <laughs> So then, yeah, she's waiting for Prince John. She finds him later on at this lovely gazebo that seems to make an appearance in a lot of different places these days. And um, she finds out yes, that he's the that cart. thing is
1: everywhere. It is everywhere. It's
2: in the Enchanted Forest. It's been in, like, it's just everywhere, that thing. It gets around. It must be jumping through yeah. portals or something. Else.
1: Maybe. <laughs> yeah. I want so one then, for uh, my garden.
2: Oh, exactly. The the road can lead right to the gazebo.
3: <laughs> oh, because then you, you know go. what?
2: Just like just like just like in um in New York City Serenade, we could put a little spread out on a table and have a hidden Mickey in the plate. The no, Mickey,
1: yeah. And I'll put exactly. the Well of yeah. Wonders like off to the side in there. It's all good. <laughs>
2: exactly, but yeah, just don't include the creepy chick from the Ring that was in there. because you yeah. know that when the oh yeah. That yeah. That when, when Nix isn't guarding the Well of Wonder, she's crawling out of a well and then going through your TV and killing you. I hope everybody knows that. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm joking. I'm suggesting. So then, so then um, Cora finds out that Prince John is, in fact, not a prince. He's a gardener. Yay. And then um, she tells him that, you know, she's pregnant. Oh, oh no. Uh, uh, she's kind of in a the spot there. So she demands some money from him and, you know, kind of struggles with him to get the attention of some guards who I didn't even see any guards, so I don't know who she's trying to get. But um, <laughs> he runs away. He leaves her. She sits down to cry, and Prince Leopold shows up to help her. Oh, boy. Here we go. So then Cora and Leopold, who, as we all know, is Snow White's father, are walking in the woods. And she's cold and they need to have a fire going on. But unfortunately, being a prince, Leopold doesn't know how to start a fire. So Cora does it. Right away, I was like, dude, really? Like, okay. Like, you've had it pretty good, man. So, you know, they start a fire, and they start to get cozy, you know, And he's talking. And, you know, I love how the fire was, like, symbolism of, like, their burning passion for each other, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: they kind of kindle it in their hands. Yeah,
2: you know, just a little bit there. And then Leopold tells her about his his engagement to Princess Eva because they've been engaged since she was born, you know, betrothed if you will, um, since she was born. Well, that sucks for Cora. So she basically puts the idea in his head that, you know, what she says what's the use of having power if you don't have the choice of who you wed. So it's kind of clear that, you know, they're like together and stuff like that. Okay, cool. So then the next time that we're in the flashback, we see Cora is back at the traveling gazebo. And she is wearing a lovely frock. She's got a lovely little kind of cloak on, if you will, looking very princessly with her white fur collar around, looking quite gorgeous, that Rose Mm -hmm. McAllen. And then she has a conversation with Jonathan because he shows back up and, you know, he blackmails her basically and says, if you don't give me money, then I'll tell your prince that you're pregnant with my baby and to leave you and blah, blah, blah. So she agrees to do it. And then he goes away. Well, unfortunately for Cora, Princess Eva, who is Snow White's mother, is listening on the other side of the gazebo wall, and she hears everything. Yeah. And that's oh. have some consequences, yeah. Um, so then, yeah. The, the, I found that the flashback storyline, since there wasn't very much flashback, it kind of went by really quickly, actually, when I was walking. Like, there wasn't very much to the flashback story, so. Um, so, yeah, um. Later on, Cora is, you know, in the castle, young Cora is in the castle, and she's leaving to go meet Prince, you know, Gardner Jonathan now, the pho- Prince John the Phony King of England, as it were. <laughs> she's going
3: exactly. to meet him
2: to pay him off, yeah, you know, she's going to pay him off so that he'll keep her secret, and Leopold stops her. Now, I just want to say really quick that that outfit, the way that her hair was, the color on the cloak, the way that Rose McAllen walked and held herself and carried herself was exactly the way that Barbara Hershey did it in the Stable Boy in season one and I was thrilled to see all of it. It was just such a great way of connecting the two characters at the different point in their lives. I absolutely yeah. loved
1: it. I did too. I thought that everything I mean the out from the styling of the outfit, the you know, the cape the way she walked and moved, her so her expression she made on the face mimics Barbara Hershey so well that, I mean, you really, even though realistically the two actresses do not look a lot alike, they really did. I mean, you could see Barbara Hershey in Rose McGowan in those moments.
2: Yeah, great, great job from Rose McGowan. I'm, I I loved it. Um, I just thought that was really nice. So then... Okay. Um, Leopold asks her if there's a baby. He says there's rumors that, you know, you have a, you're have you pregnant with a baby. And Cora lies and says that there is no baby. Well, that was the wrong thing to do because Eva comes in and she confronts Cora about it. And even though Cora denies it, Eva tells Leopold that he needs to check Cora's pockets to see if she's got anything in there. He finds the necklace that she was going to use to pay off Gardner Jonathan, and he dumps her. Um, you know, lets her go, the guards take her away. And then Eva, you know, was talking about how, you know, a a wife who's worthy of him will give him a a pure child, a child pure as snow. And so, of course, then, you know, we know that those are Snow White's parents and they're going to be together. Okay, cool, nifty, all right, cool. Just really quick about this whole thing. I know that there are a lot of fans who are very confused about the continuity, particularly because of the stable boy, and the fact that in that episode, Leopold shows up and proposes to Regina, no, and now apparently it changed because now it's set up so that he knew that Regina was Cora's daughter when he proposed to her. And when Cora and Leopold share that look in the stable boy, there's now history behind it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and fans who are confused, I'm with you. Um, right. I, I recognize I I know how they set it up I see what they've done but I'm sorry it is completely 1,000% creepyville that Leopold would propose to Regina after he almost married her mom like it's just creepy
1: right right I I agree and and does he know that Regina is not the child that Cora was pregnant with when you know he dumped her and sent her away that really wasn't clarified either I don't know I. There were parts of it, as far as the flashback, that I really liked how it touched back to things in The Miller's Daughter because I love, you know, how we see how she got the idea to suddenly say she can send straw to gold and things like that. But then there are other pieces from flashback stories that I was just a little bit, you know, confused on. I mean, we weren't sure, and they did end up clarifying that, Yes, this was before Miller's daughter. And they did come out and say the writers that, yes, Leopold did realize, you know, he recognized Cora. He knew that that was her daughter when he went and, you know, uh, Cora accepted the wedding proposal from him. So I don't know. It just it seems a little, uh, a little bit wacky to me there.
3: Huh. Yeah. Rose
1: says maybe he we'll had dementia it. at that point and didn't remember because he was so old. <laughs> well, you never know.
2: <laughs> um, I'm going to just assume that somewhere along the way, Cora erased his memory of her. Yeah. And he doesn't that really that know I'm who sick. she is. But no, because well, no, they said, they, Adam even said that he did know that that was her. So that's not the case yeah. either. So it's just weird, Amy. Everybody in the chat room, everybody who's listening, it's just weird. I know that a lot of people feel that way. And if you don't feel that way, that's totally fine, but I, it, it's right. just weird. Yeah, <laughs> Amy, Jedi mind trick. <laughs> All
3: right, so,
2: um, so then as, this, as the flashback continues on, you know, we go from Cora being a couple months pregnant to she's just had the baby. So Cora, you know, she's got Zelina in the little basket, and she's walking her through the woods to give her up. First of all, I just want to say in that scene, I absolutely uh, – it's a beautiful shot because the sunlight coming through the branches and then under the root of the tree as she's setting down the basket uh-huh. was
1: absolutely
2: beautiful. Um, I loved it. So I, I just, uh-huh. that, that shot really stood out to me. So then um, Cora gives Zelina up to give herself her best chance, which is kind of a play on, you know, what Emma and Snow have done, you know, as far as giving up their children – for the child to have their best chance. Well, Cora is doing the opposite. She's giving up her child so that she can have her best chance. So,
3: right. you
2: know, it's, it's the reverse. It's the, and it's not like Cora is, like, bad. I mean, you know, granted, she's the Miller's daughter and she's a bar wench and all that other stuff. But it's not like she couldn't have still taken care of her. It was just her ambition to be queen is what held her back, really. So that's...
1: exactly. And I hope that the intention of this episode was not to build more sympathy for Cora, because, and I, and I really don't think it was, because there were things where, yeah, I did kind of feel a little bit bad for Cora, like Leopold not letting her at least, you know, kind of explain. Um, not that there's a huge excuse, because it was kind of trampy of her to escort this man upstairs. <laughs> you know, she, sure, they were, quote-unquote, engaged, but still, she had only waited on him in a bar a few times. But I, I love the, that they turned that line around. We've heard it with Snow about Emma, and we've heard it from Emma about Henry. And I felt like it was such a great parallel you know, it's just to show how far apart those characters are from the way Cora's mind and heart works. Because she wasn't heartless at this point. So this is just how she right. thinks and how she feels. She puts the baby, right. puts Selina down, and says, you know, sorry, but this is what has to happen for me to have my best chance. And it's a complete opposite of what Snow and Emma were thinking for their children, you know, they wanted to give their children the best chance, not themselves. And I loved that they used that line and just tweaked it so that it fit Cora's like sort of social climber mentality and personality. I thought that was fantastic.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, the, the the mirroring, if you will, of, of what they did there, I I just I loved it. Yeah, I thought it was great. So then, yeah, Cora gives Lena up and she walks away. And then, like, immediately after she walks away, the green tornado shows up and comes down and grabs Lena and takes her to Oz. And I know that there are a few theories on this. None of it's been confirmed yet, but here's what I want to know. Who or what conjured that tornado to take her to Oz? Like, who did it? Was it her? Like, was it Zelina's magical baby abilities that we saw in It's Not Easy <laughs> Being Green? Like, did she do that? Well, I but I know, if that's then the why ability. does
1: she have them? Like, why why does Zelina have these inherent magical abilities? Because her father is a gardener and her mother had not even begun to be taught magic yet. So, I don't... I don't know. It almost seems like maybe that wasn't her that we saw before in the other episode where it looked like she kind of swiped the branch away. Maybe someone was looking out for her or watching over her. I don't know. It just yeah,
2: was... it's the bars. It is. Hmm. Peter Pete says in the chat room, he's saying that the blue fairy did it. So I'll, I buy it. I buy it. And then here's the thing, and this is what's so weird. <laughs> Mm-hmm. let's say it's like if it was a person or whatever, okay. Rumpel Silkskin spent all of that time trying to jump, board, you know, trying to jump worlds so he could come find Balefire. And apparently a baby can conjure a tornado that takes you in between lands. There has to be something more to this. There just has to be. Mm-hmm. I, I can't accept that. There has to be something. I just, Freak there just weather has weather
1: phenomenon. Be. <laughs> yeah, you know, Freak like, weather I mean,
2: yeah, you know, it's whatever. Like, it'll just be on, you know, the Enchanted Forest Nightly News, you know, whatever. Like, I'm just, it's confusing. I don't understand how that happens. I mean, Angie is saying awesome. Oh,
1: Maybe Glenda
2: oh.
1: conjured it to save her her. Okay, I'm just talking out loud as I'm thinking. So if, if this gets wacky, don't send me crazy emails or hate emails. Maybe Glenda conjures a tornado to save Zelina because she was going to be left there. And then you know how in the original odd stories, Glenda can bestow the kiss or she does on Dorothy and that keeps her safe. So maybe she watched over Zelina for a little while, but obviously something happened there because things didn't turn out great for her.
2: Yeah, I don't, we may never get an answer on that, but it's still something that I'm really curious about to know. Like, that big old green storm just came out of nowhere and took somebody from one world to another. I would really like to know an answer to exactly what happened with that. Because we know all the ways to travel, well, we know most of the ways to travel magically between realms. Either a portal, you know, the magic bean, or through a mermaid, or now apparently I'm like tornado thing okay cool
3: mm-hmm. where did it come
2: from like I still want to know okay so then and that pretty much you know that ends the flashback actually um there wasn't very much to the flashback story at all so that was kind of where that goes so now that we've wrapped up the flashback part of it let's get into the present day storyline because I feel like the present day storyline is really where the meat and potatoes of the episode took place what about you
1: yes I definitely agree A fact one of my favorite scenes probably of the entire three seasons happened in this episode. So definitely I feel like present day story rip stuff was important this week.
2: Yeah, agreed. So the episode starts out with Regina looking in the mirror. She is wearing a blue dress and she's putting on Ruby earrings, which is very Dorothy of okay. her, don't you think?
1: I do. I actually wrote that in my
2: notes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I'm glad you caught it. So then, um, Zelina, you know, there's a knock at the door, Regina opens the door, and there's a basket of green apples sitting there for her. And when the camera comes back up, we see that Zelina is in the house wearing a fabulous outfit, if I may say so myself. Mm -hmm. And she has, she's wearing this, just like this great belt with this like leather vest skirt thing and this green shirt and her fantastic hat that looks almost like like an old copper's hat from like Old England or something like that. I just love it. It Mm -hmm. makes me happy. Um, so then, you know, she's taunting Regina, and they're having a conversation and stuff, and really the whole point of that conversation was so that Zelina could make fun of Regina because she sent Gold to take Regina's heart. And then, of course, we see Rumpelstiltskin, and Mr. Gold approaching Robin Hood and his merry men in the woods, which, I mean, I know that they're poor or whatever, but really, they live in Storybrooke, and nobody can get them a house? Like, come on, guys. <laughs> surely there must be some kind of... There's gotta be somewhere for them to live besides just the woods for crying out loud. Okay, right. so then so then Rumpel nearly kills Roland, Robin Hood's son, before Robin Hood doesn't agrees want to get to him. Yeah, and it's very he even clear that he doesn't,
1: says, I don't want to do this, yeah. Poor guy.
2: Especially since he just like lost his son and now he's being forced to kill somebody else's son. Very, very just Oh, Zelina is a wicked witch, isn't she? Oh, my good gracious. Okay, so, um, so then Robin Hood gives him Regina's heart, and Regina shows up, and she says this line that I thought was just so, I don't know why it stuck out to me, but when Regina says, nothing is worth the loss of a child, it really stood out mm-hmm. to me. Um, and I don't know why, but it just did.
1: It stood out to me in particular, and the reason I, it stood out to me is because where we've seen in the past where possibly her first reaction would be something like to be angry or to, you know, say, I can't believe you let go of my heart. You know, she was, she didn't show anger. She was legitimately concerned for Roland. The first thing she asked was, was anybody hurt? And she looked over at Roland because as she had been approaching, Robin was holding him and hugging him. So, I think that's why it stood out to me, because her initial reaction was not even, I mean, she just lost her heart and could possibly drop dead at any second, because, you know, she doesn't realize yet what Selena needs it for. So her first concern, even with all that, is, you know, is to think of this child. So that's why it stood out to me, and I thought that was a really great moment for Regina.
2: Yeah, nice, nice catch on that, by the way, with the whole, her, you know, with the, was anyone hurt? That is so different for Regina to wonder, is anybody hurt? Like, she's always the one who hurts people. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's really, yeah, good, nice catch, Amy, love it. So then, um, Belle and Regina, so then, right, Regina goes to the pawn shop, and she has the scene with Belle, and I absolutely loved it. I loved it so much, and here's why.
3: Uh Belle
2: starts telling Regina off, saying, you have done nothing but tortured me and, like, abused me ever since we met each other. You put me in an (laughs) asylum for 28 years. You held me captive in your tower. Like, are you out of your mind? I'm not going to help you with anything. And then the moment moment that I never really thought that I would ever see happen, happened. Regina apologized to Belle and meant it.
1: And she meant it. Did you see? Yes.
2: Yes. I love she that the
1: bookworm it. has teeth. Ah, was such a good line.
2: <laughs> yeah, it really was. It was. It was fantastic. I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, because it's showing and and it speaks to another scene that I love later on in this episode, and and yeah, I'll I'll talk about why I more about why I love this scene later on because it, it relates. So then, they're looking for the candle. And, and, yes. this is, and this is one of the funniest lines of the night. Regina goes, "Where's the candle?" and Belle holds up Lumiere, and she's like, mm-hmm. "Here." And it's not that Liberace. The two-sided candle's no use to kill my mother.
1: <laughs> yes, not that, that was that probably my favorite line of the night. I was laughing so hard. Uh-huh. In fact, since Sunday night, I've been saying that. Like anytime I ask for something in our house and somebody breaks in a raw thing, I'm like. Not that, you Maybe <laughs> something else. So, yeah, I love that line. I was laughing so hard.
2: Yeah, that was <laughs> one of my favorite ones. I, 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 thought it was, <laughs> I thought it was great. So then, you know, they she leaves. I mean, well, that's the last time that we see Regina and Belle, you know, together. Then later mm-hmm. on, and the next time we read the, the, the storyline, Emma and Snow are, you they know, they're at Regina's, basically. They're sitting in her her library, her study, her, her seance room, whatever it is. So, um, and what I love about this too is that both Emma and Snow were wearing blue, just like Regina was at the beginning of the episode. And I think that that, you and I talked about this privately, um, and you mentioned that, well, actually, I I won't speak for you, but I like the fact that they're all wearing blue because it kind of gives all of them a Dorothy vibe,
3: So Mm -hmm. to speak,
2: like, Gina is just trying to get home, and she had the ruby earrings on at the beginning of the episode, so that's very much, you know, like Dorothy. Emma has always been trying to get home, you know, to Mm -hmm. find her family and all that other stuff. She's wearing blue. That's very much like Dorothy. Snow, kind of the same thing, you know. She's really just trying to find a home for her family, her new child, for everybody to be happy. They're all just trying to find that. So I really like that it's kind of like a Dorothy theme for all of them. And Amy, you made a really interesting point about um, the, just the relationships between the two of them.
1: Yeah, it seems like, I feel like more than even just the Dorothy thing, which I definitely think is somehow playing into the fact that so much blue, because I commented from the very beginning of this, of this second half of the season that at first Regina seemed to be in a lot of blue, and now we're seeing Emma and Snow also in blue. I feel like it's representative of, like, how they're bonding, because they are all three kind of coming together. Yeah. And another thing I noticed yeah. is that Regina wears the darkest and strongest of the blue colors. Snow wears yeah. very light pastel blue colors, like the soft, yeah. and Emma is wearing almost a fusion of the two. She's like a medium blue in her wardrobe throughout the, the second half of the season. And I'm actually going to ask Eduardo about the use of blue. I don't know if he's permitted to speak to it yet, if that's something he's allowed to talk about. But um, Eduardo Castro, the costume designer, I'm going to ask him about the uh, the use of blue for these three women because it's very prominent. It's not like a subtle hidden thing that you can miss, you know. But I love it. I love I've always liked Regina in red and, like, these evil black colors, but this blue is, like, I think it's fantastic on her, and I love that it kind of harkens to Dorothy for all three of them searching for home.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you as far as showing the relationship of how they're bonding, the colors, everything you just said about the, the tones of the colors, the, you know, how strong they are versus more pastel and everything like that. You're right on the money with it, Amy. Um, for anybody, if you're a new listener to the podcast or if you've been listening for a long time, I'll just say it for everybody. Um, they use color a lot on this show for symbolism. Um, red means power. Blue kind of means fear and um, kind of cowardice, so to speak, ish. So um, I'm happy that my that my color theory analysis is rubbing off on you, Amy. That makes me very happy. Yes, yeah, um, it's true. I love it. So then, you know, and also, too, you know, Emma is wearing blue, and Emma has the blues. She's still in mourning for Neil, not that you would know it because they haven't given her anything to show it, but, you know, she mm. is still mourning Neil and all that stuff. And that, that is a huge, um, that's kind of a big deal for me. I'm not very happy about that at all. Like, Emma has not mourned the loss of Neil whatsoever. I mean, I like the fact right. that in this episode she's, like, laughing and stuff, but didn't that seem weird to anybody else? And this girl be mourning him a little bit more? Or are they just trying to not call too much attention to the fact that Neil is gone now? I don't know. Um, I I just, I don't know. So we'll see. Who knows? So (laughs) Regina comes in and she starts pouring everybody her, the special tea that she was making. And Charming starts to drink it, and she says, don't drink it. It's a deadly poison to summon the Dark Vortex. And Charming says, well, I prefer Earl Grey. i oh, I'll Make it so, Charming. Get on the Enterprise and order that cup of tea up from the hologram. <laughs> make reference. it so. Yeah,
1: yeah,
2: make it so. That was to- that's to- the first thing I thought of was Captain Picard on Star Trek's Next Generation, the very first one. Yes. So. love them. So then they start, they start arguing over baby names, which is at one – it's at once – both adorable and also a clever way for the writers to reinforce Snow White's parents' names, so that in the flashback we know who exactly they are. Because sometimes it can get right. confusing as to who's who. So I, I love that it. it was like kind of a, a subtle thing. It's kind of like when Joe Rowling wrote in the uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. She actually wrote out how people were saying Hermione's name wrong, and then how to say it correctly. It's kind of the same thing. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was funny, and yeah, so the baby names and stuff. So then we see Selena in her house. Her house is very, very rustic, and um, it kind of looks like Snow's apartment, like the inside of Snow's apartment. Um, so I thought that was that was you know just kind of interesting. And and Jane Edson actually she said on Twitter that maybe the curse just likes things to be rustic. So hey, you know whatever. Um,
1: Has <laughs> a mind of its own.
2: Yeah, and then there's also something else that I want to point out, and I don't know if there's any significance to this or not. It's just something that that I noticed and that I wanted to Mm -hmm. point out to everybody. In that scene, when um, Delina is up in her attic and she's taking the the suit out for Mr. Gold that she's going to have him wear, if you Mm -hmm. look, right right behind that wardrobe there's a dollhouse. And she she called Rumpelstiltskin doll twice in this episode. At mm-hmm. the beginning, she calls him doll, and then at the end, she calls him doll. And I couldn't help but And that really kind of stood out to me. I thought it was weird that she's not saying anything like my pretty or something, you know? And mm-hmm. then when I saw The Dollhouse, when I was watching it for the second time to make announced for the podcast, that really kind of stood out to me that that's there. So I don't know if it's any significance, or maybe it's the whole play on the thing of the house dropping on the witch or something, you know? But. Um, mm-hmm. I, I couldn't help but notice that. It did stand out to me. Like I said, it may have no significance whatsoever, but, you, you know, it is kind of – she did say doll's twice and she's got a dollhouse, so it just made me wonder what that's all about. Um and also, the other thing I love about it is when Zelina closes her trunk, her trunk has West written on the lid. Like, on the address part of it, it says West. It's, like, the only thing that's clear that you can read. It's kind of totally
1: See, I was going to um, mention that, too, because there's also some initials that I couldn't make out what they were. I was going to ask if anyone in the chat room or if you had noticed what they were. Because you can see, like, two initials, but I wasn't sure what they were.
2: Yeah, I'm not... I I couldn't make them out either. They're really, they're fa- too far faded for me to be able to see it clearly because I did try because I thought that it might be something. But I couldn't right. see it either, either. So yeah, I did notice that though. I thought that that was cool. So then of course, Zelina forces, you know, she brings that suit down to gold in his cage in her storm cellar. She tells him, you know, she's basically dressing him up. She's playing dress up like he's her doll.
3: Same mm-hmm. to what I said
2: earlier. So I just, I thought that was kind of weird. Um, and then, oh, I'm sorry, Marie, if you couldn't hear me. I just saw that in the chat room. I hope that you eventually got the hang of what we were talking about because I have no idea what part you missed. Okay, so then um, Regina tells everybody that they have to open the portal to talk to Cora. Okay, so then they do that. They open the portal and they try to talk to Cora. And nothing happens. She, she doesn't talk to them. Like the table bounces and the portal closes and, you know, that's, that's pretty much it. And I love when, when Regina says that people don't normally talk to the dead because you need the murder weapon and the murderer, and she looks right at Snow. Huh. Like, the tension in that scene is really, like, kind of palpable. So, yeah. yeah. It's kind of weird. So then course, um, no. later on, yeah, poor, yeah, poor, yeah, poor girl. She went, she, she went through it in this episode. Let me just tell you, that poor girl went through it. So... Then after the seance, everybody is leaving Regina's. And Snow offers to stay and help Regina clean up. Now, everybody in the chat room, everybody who's listening, this was probably one of the best scenes of the entire show for any season that has occurred thus far. Amy, how do you feel about what I just said?
1: I agree. This scene and then the last scene that they have together at the table are two of my favorite things, and I feel like watching them, like in my mind, I'm thinking about the last two and a half seasons, all the, you know, miscommunication and misinformation and hate and all this other stuff that has been between Regina as far as her feelings for Snow and all the things that could have been for them. And, you know, just because of the way things were twisted by Cora or by other situations, And then to see these moments where they came together and they were both kind of, you know, ready to get past that and almost, I mean, really almost like a mother-daughter scene is the way it felt to me. Because, I mean, Snow's mother died very young and Regina was her stepmom, so Regina was kind of, you know, that mother figure for her and she missed out on having that and now... I love that they're kind of bringing it around, and to me, those scenes seemed very much like a motherly and a daughter's scene together, and I absolutely loved it.
2: Me too. Um, I'm going to start with, I'm going to bring up some specific dialogue first, and then I'm going to talk about why I love the scene so much. So, Snow offers to clean up, and Regina says, I'm not in the mood for a heart-to-heart. And Snow says, I'm not sure that's physically possible right now. And Regina actually laughs. It's a small one, but she laughs. And then she says that Snow can help with the teacups. And what's funny, Amy, is that when Regina said that, the first thing that went through my mind was, can a pregnant woman ride the teacups? I think that's a dangerous ride for a woman to get on. And then I'm like, oh, wait. Oh, she's, she's talking about actual teacups. My bad. So, yeah, that was, <laughs> Can everyone tell I'm a bit of a Disney freak, just a little bit. So,
3: um,
2: yeah, it's yeah, whatever. So, but then when they're in the kitchen, they're talking, and it's the same scene from the sneak peek that we all saw. That you know, um, all right, it's the same scene we saw in the sneak peek where they're in the kitchen talking, and Snow apologizes for for killing Cora. And she says that she thinks about it every day, and Regina says, so do I. And when I think about it, I think that she did kill your mother. And so I acknowledge that, I re- or I recognize or whatever, that our history is, our situation is complicated. And then Snow says, thank you. Uh-huh. So she, and so she says, you know, that she thought that she had occupied a singular space in her mother's heart, but that she has got a sister. And so she talks to Snow, why would she split us up? Like, why wouldn't she tell me about this? And really, their relationship was, it was changing. Right then, it was starting to change. And then, um, let me see here. Sorry, everybody. I've got, the, got some people sending me messages over here. So then, um, <laughs> they're in the kitchen, and, the, and uh, okay, so I've got to keep going because I've got to get to the second scene because that's when I really want to make my point. So then they hear a noise, and they go upstairs, and the noise is coming from an empty room. First of all, why does Regina have an empty room in that big old house? I'm kind of confused about that. Maybe it's, like, symbolism because that's, like, the space in her heart where her mother is. Oh, maybe that's it. Maybe that's the symbolism. Okay, maybe I just figured well, out. Or
1: she could have invited so, Robin and his men and she has all this empty space in the house so then they wouldn't be living in the woods.
2: <laughs> that big house. Give your man a place to stay instead of letting him smell like forest and sleep <laughs> on the ground. Like, what are you thinking? Oh, so,
1: yeah.
2: yeah thinking. For crying out loud. So then what I love about this is that young Cora is, the ghost of young Cora is sitting at, and she's spinning. If you notice, she's actually spinning. Uh, spinning Yes, I love it. And so what that says to me is that Cora, like, when she was happiest, she was with Rumpel spinning gold, and that's what she's in the afterlife doing because that's when she was happy. Isn't that such an Mm -hmm. interesting thing to think about? Like. It is, and that she was, I mean, she
1: went back to that version of herself, you know, that's her afterlife, so that I loved the spinning wheel, I thought that was a fantastic visual in the room, I loved it oh, so good
2: yeah, I thought I was, God, yeah, I just, I love that that, that that was the case, that it's young Cora meanwhile, back at Granny's Diner, Emma is doing magic She moves a mug of hot chocolate complete with cinnamon on the whipped cream um, from the countertop over to the table where Hook is and then she sits down and she tells me want to see what else I can do and she flips her hand around and his Hook goes from on his wrist to hanging on the coat rack and Emma laughs about it in a way that I thought was really funny. There are some people, who, when I made my earlier point about Emma not expressing very much grief about Neil, some people did say that people handle grief differently, and some people use humor to get through it. I agree with that. The only reason why I think it's weird is because we have never seen Emma behave in that way before. Granted, we've never seen right. her lose somebody close to her before either, but it just seems out of character for her. When okay. Because really, except for Emma's scenes with, with uh, Neil, does anybody really remember a scene where Emma is laughing a lot? Because there's not. They don't exist. They're not there. Emma doesn't do that. That's not who she right. is. So, so that's, that's, yeah, that's just what I thought. So anyways. Um, Belle comes in, and she starts saying that, you know, she's, she's, and she's like frantic about it too. She's figured out what Zelina's plan is, and they've got to tell everybody right? Like that's, that's basically what it comes down to. So, okay, awesome. Um, I love the fact that Belle is using her bookmarks this mm-hmm. half of the season in a way that, number one, is true to her character, and number two, actually, like, gives her something to do. Like, that's not Lacey running around at the bar. Like, she's actually okay. got something to do. She, playing a role in everything that's happening. And, and she's playing mm-hmm. an active role in it, too. So that's that's what I'm loving the most. And this is actually the perfect time to bring on our, uh, our other One Upon a Fan staff member, Teresa. Teresa, are you there?
0: Uh, yes, sir. I've just um, logged on. We lost audio a second ago through the other one. So can you hear me now?
2: Yep. Oh, yeah, I can hear I you. I can hear fine. you.
0: Okay, great. So you were bringing the you were you were just mentioning, I believe, uh, about uh, Outlaw Queen.
2: Uh, no, we actually were talking about um, Belle and her uh, her book skills and how she's playing an active role in the storyline right now.
0: Okay, great. Um, I wasn't sure which point you were. At. Yeah, um, I've always been a big fan of Belle ever since Beauty and the Beast, the cartoon came out, and, I was, and the story. Um, I really like what they've been doing in 3B with her especially, but this week it was just, they hit the nail on the head. As far as Belle, she's in Gold Shop. It's almost like, may I help you? She's got uh, her, all of her little items there ready to go. Regina um, makes her request, and we've you, just seen her going from place to place, getting out the books, looking at the sources, and and then providing the information, which is Belle's strength. It's, it's her superpower yes. is being is, is being that bookworm. And and this is the first time they have really let that come through. Another superpower, of course, is being Rumple's strength. And I think comes out. But I also really liked the way that uh, well, Rajeev about was having that a little bit. Yeah, I think she was always going to help her. She wasn't going
2: to deny. Hey, Teresa, can you hear me? We're losing you. Amy, I think we lost her.
1: Oh, I think um, so, too. It was fading out hear me. now?
2: Oh, there she is. There she is. Okay.
0: Okay, I'm back. All right, I I lost you somewhere. I was just saying how I was glad that she stood up to Regina and got that apology out of her.
2: Yeah, wasn't that great? Like, I thought it was really, I mean, it really showed growth for Regina's character and also gave Belle, you know, like she, like Regina said, Belle had some teeth finally and was standing up for herself. I loved it.
1: Yeah, and I like the way
0: almost Regina respected that, even though Belle was kind of in her face, it
1: was still, hey, I like that.
0: You go, girl.
1: I did, too. I yeah. felt like Belle went from being, you know, they've really shown her use her smarts as part of the season. So she's kind of gotten away from that wallflower or even that, you know, that lacy persona where she really was kind of in the background and either not doing much or just, you know, not doing anything effective. And now she's actually part of the main story and the main action. And she's the one who's helping, you know, go off Scooby-Doo and figure out these mysteries that are, our meeting to be figured out.
0: Yeah, she's using her superpower finally.
1: Yeah.
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Okay, so Teresa, I know that later on I want to make sure that we talk to you about um, Zelina and Rumple, and that's actually the next <laughs> scene that, that uh, came about. So if you don't mind just kind of hanging out with us another minute or two, I'm going to let everybody know the events, and then we can all share our opinions here. So okay. then we get to the scene where Zelina and Rumpel are having dinner. Uh, The first thing I noticed about this scene is that when Rumpel is over standing by the front door, Zelina's broomstick is over in the corner. Loved it. Small touch. Loved Mm -hmm. it. Um, She's also got oil lamps all over her house, which is very rustic, very classic. Her house really looks like a farmhouse from the early 20th century to me. Right. Um, At least from the pictures that I've seen. Not that I was there or anything, but, you know, whatever. So um, then that's when Zelina reveals her plan to, you know, change the past Meanwhile, at Regina's house Ghost Cora Attacks Regina And so Regina poofs her and Snow downstairs Cora shows up again And Regina holds her off Then later on um, Regina tells Cora That she'll have to go through her to kill Snow Which I thought was so interesting And Snow did too you, Did you see that look that she gave Regina, Regina at that point? I thought that was kind of Yes Oh, yeah. And then and then Ghost Cora punches Regina in the face. She punched her or she slapped her, one or the other. She hit her in the face. And then she jumps inside Snow's body, you know, kind of Patrick Stewart or Patrick Swayze style in Ghost. And uh Snow's all of the, Yes, you know. Snow sees all the memories of the past that Cora is giving her. So then, you know, we see, and that's when we see the flashback of that everything that happened between Cora and Eva and Leopold. Okay, so then Cora pulls, or Regina pulls Cora out of Snow's body. You know, she exercised the demons, as it were. <laughs> and I love the line that she said because Regina says, hold on, I won't let you go. And then starts to take Cora out of her body. And I was like, oh my God, the evil queen is saving Snow White's life. Is everybody else seeing this? Oh my God. Yeah. It's so cute. Uh, I loved it. So that, Yes, and then that's when Belle reveals that her plan is to go back in time. And Regina says that no one has ever been able to go back in time ever. And the camera moves to Emma immediately after that, having like a reaction to what Regina just said. And then they discuss what's going to happen next, how, you know, they've, they've got to find out what's going on. I think there is something very significant in that book that Emma had about the whole thing of no one has ever changed the past, and I'll speak on that in just a minute here because I've got a theory. So um, back at Zelina's farmhouse, Rumple and Zelina are getting hot and heavy. Um, really hot and heavy, actually. And on the table. Goes on the table. And Rumple goes for the dagger. He's stopped by a spell, and then Zelina sends him back to his cage, and she calls him doll again. All right. I just thought that was really interesting. So, uh, Teresa, this is where I want to hear from you <laughs> as far as what, you know, Rumpelstiltskin and Selena and that scene. What did you think about that, Madeira?
0: Well, um, it, it was a very hard scene to watch because I've i been a rumble all the way from skin deep. It was very hard to see R- Rumpelstiltskin do what he had to do but I also in context though understood that he was very uh, he was doing it for a very good reason when you are in battle you attack the place where the person is most vulnerable and where Zelina is most vulnerable is that she is very very creepily crushing on skin and he is very well aware of that. I and mean, I think that that's why he goes full throttle, if you will, on her, overwhelming her in that way. I, it was really hard to watch because, I, you know, uh, to me his heart belongs to Belle, but what he did was brilliant. The only thing that made it fail was he didn't realize that there had been a little protection green flashy spell around the dagger, and that's when it all went okay. south.
2: I agree. Yeah, it was... I thought that... Which, I mean, I don't know why Rumpel wouldn't think that, you know, she's got the dagger protected from crying out loud, but at least she did make the attempt to go free and it like that. Um, Amy, what did you think about that scene doll?
1: I also love Rumpel and Belle together, and I do think that's endgame, and I think that they're a true love couple, but I thought that scene was kind of odd. I mean... <laughs> And aside from the fact that it played out kind of, you know, it was really sexy, really well done, I thought Rebecca Matter gave probably the best performance we've even seen from her yet because in just the span of, what was it, maybe two or three minutes, she went from being cold and plodding to, you know, just being vulnerable for a second and accepting and thinking that she actually had someone's love and attention for just a brief moment and then from that right back to being furious and realizing that she had been played again so i feel like those few minutes for her were were really great but yeah as as much as i do love rumple and Belle together i thought the scene played really well and I I did think it was kind of sexy I know that's not the popular opinion but I I thought it was quite well done but she came on the screen too the outfit I mean you you knew something was going to happen and we saw the pictures ahead of time that had been put out and she walked on the screen and me and my husband were watching I was like wow boobs (laughs) so yeah we we knew there was going to be some action happening there
2: She is definitely Regina's the sister. Job. They like to broadcast their cleavage. For sure.
1: <laughs> the royal cleavage.
2: Teresa, what were you okay, going to say? She's
1: gorgeous. She's gorgeous. If oh, I, I was just her More Lana <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd have my stuff out all the time. <laughs>
0: oh, I was just saying that when you saw um, herself, um, Zelina, with her low-cut, I was just kind of hearing the Jaws music, like it's no. coming, it's coming, it's going to be horrible, but it's going to be fascinating at the same time. Right, so, you can't look away. <laughs> it was like you were watching, and you are like, but I will say this, come on, let's see some of that with Belle. You've got a beautiful woman like Emily Ravine, when he, when themselves get back together at the end of the season. <laughs> Back together for good for now. Come on, let them be a team. I want to see something sexier than that, and I want it in gold shop, in the back room with the butler and whatever they said on that clue show. I want it, and I think we need some Rumbell happy time too.
1: <laughs>
2: I, agree, I agree. I think that I'm not a Rumbell, but I do think that they're. I mean, well, I put I like them together as a couple. I'm just not like I'm not a big shipper of that. Well, I, I guess I am. I don't know there's no definition on shipping, but, um, I do like them together. Um, I, I think that their relationship does need some development though, because so far all that we've ever seen of them is going on a date with a hamburger and him giving her stuff. So I'd really like to see a little bit more of that relationship get developed. Um, yeah, for sure. So, um, I'm going to go over a little bit of what else happened in the episode and then Teresa, I'll bring you back on for, uh, For the discussion on Outlaw Queen Because I know how much you love Outlaw Queen So just hold on for me just one second I'll bring you on the line here in just a minute Okay, cool So, okay Then we get the scene where Snow and Regina are cleaning up And Mm -hmm. Snow says that, you know (laughs) That Dr. Will said he's okay And then she goes And he told me I have a tough placenta Which somehow came out creepy May I? And then she starts sweeping (laughs) up the floor I thought yeah. that was pretty funny. Um, and it is and it is creepy. There's no somehow way about that. That's just a creepy thing to say. Like, Frankenstein just told you that you have a tough placenta. I would be a little freaked out about that myself. So that Plus, they funny.
1: had a one-night stand in the first season when they were cursed. And Dr. Male Frankenstein, they were cursed. He's also, okay, he's the OBGYN. He's the pediatric doctor. He's the surgeon. He's what, osteo also, because he did some work on Greg Mendel within the hospital. This man has got so many PhDs. And he's the
2: emergency room doctor,
1: too. He is the emergency room doctor. Like This man must never leave the hospital, except to date, because I mean, really, he's doing it all. I don't know if I'd want the guy I had a a one-night scam with. Of course, he has been there before, so it's not like he's going to see anything new but she had a one-night stand with him and now he's going to deliver her baby
0: (laughs) oh my god
2: i (laughs) I have to try so hard not to crack up laughing right now because i still have to do the podcast okay because otherwise i would be dying rolling (laughs) okay so then they're talking (laughs) and regina are talking about cora (laughs) and <laughs> and Regina says, you officially have a less damaging relationship with my mother than I do. And you killed her.
0: <laughs> you killed um, her, yes.
2: Uh. I thought that was great. And then Regina expresses sympathy for Snow finding out about Eva and you know, how she's not who she thought she was. And, and then it happens. Snow White sits down at that table, and she and Regina have a heart-to-heart that was actual, real growth and development between these two women, and that is why these scenes, this one and the other one, are some of the best scenes of this entire show, of the entire series so far. We're showing growth. We're showing development. They're actually feeling their situation. They're talking about it in a way that's not just, I'm going to kill you. Well, I'm going to kill you, like they're actually dealing with their problems, focus, like, f- focusing on the future, deciding to let the past go. Snow is grabbing Regina's hand and saying, your heart will find its way to happiness again. Regina is crying. Oh, my God, that scene was amazing. Can you hear the passion in my voice, everybody? That <laughs> scene was effing amazing. It was. It was amazing.
1: That scene was everything. That is my favorite scene. One of, it's, it's definitely in my top five of everything we've seen from every season so far. I absolutely love, like I mentioned before, in your head, you know all this past and history that's happened to these two women. And there's always been these little moments where if one small thing has been done differently, things could have been different for them. They could have been happy as, you know, stepmom and daughter. And in that moment, we actually see this bonding moment. Regina is no longer holding this hatred or harboring this, you know, ill will for Snow, and Snow loves her. It's like they really have this genuine love for each other back and forth, and Snow's the one that gives hope to Regina that she can be happy. And Regina tells her she doesn't think it's possible, and, She's the one that tells her, you know, you feel it with your, I know you, and you feel everything with your yeah. whole soul. And I freaking adored that moment. I thought that was, it was so short, but it was my favorite moment in a long, long time. I absolutely
2: love yeah. it. Yep, yeah, me too. When, when, um, when Snow says, you know, obviously our pasts are more complicated than we thought, And Regina Mm -hmm. says, yes, and if we had known that, I wouldn't have spent so much time trying to kill you. Exactly. And then Snow says, well, "Well, we would have found something to fight about. I was a brat. And Regina's like, yeah, your mother's daughter. Your mother's child, yeah. They laugh about it. Like, they're actually, like, it was beautiful. It was just such an amazing scene, and I cannot, I cannot bestow enough kudos on... Jane Espenson and Daniel Thompson, who wrote this episode, the two of them, Mm -hmm. I cannot, cannot express enough kudos to them for what they did with these two characters. This is the kind of thing that we want. These are the kinds of scenes that we want. Those scenes, that is what the show is made of, those kinds of scenes. The The relationships between the main characters, them actually acknowledging what's happened and having growth and moving on with each other, that's what we want. That is the – I mean, at least for me, I don't want to speak for everybody, but I'm seeing a lot of feedback all over the place that are saying that Snow and Regina scenes were the best scenes of the entire episode and, you know, uh, maybe of the season so far. For me personally, this is the show that I want. This is the once upon a time that is, that is amazing. That's what needs mm. to happen more. The characters need to acknowledge their situations deal with their emotions, deal with their problems, and move on one way or the other. It can't always be the way that it has been with the back and forth, I'm going to kill you, I hate you, you did this to me, you did that to me. They all just need to shut up and get along and move on. And we're actually seeing (laughs) that start to happen now. We're seeing that happen now. Teresa, I brought you on the line because I want to know what you thought of those things too.
0: Oh, well, everything that you said is exactly how, how I feel too, there's a reason why certain episodes are absolutely the favorites of everybody. There's reasons why um, people just go gaga and start craving mad over certain scenes. This one was one of them. I, was, uh, I felt exactly everything that you felt, and, and, and I've never liked Snow White more than I did when she grabbed Regina's hand, and that was yes. Snow's superpower. I I I just became I just shipped snow. Snow and snow. That's my new snow snow. That's my new ship ship. I (laughs) adored that scene. And when and and again when Regina started to cry. And of course we all know what it segued into um, in my, uh, my, my uh, shot of joy might have gone through several dimensions in time, space, and several universes, but that next scene was incredible. I don't know if you want to talk about um, what exactly happened, and I might have a few things to say.
2: Yeah, so what, happened, what she's talking about is when Snow says, when she tells Regina that eventually Regina's heart will find its way to happiness, Regina basically gets up, goes and finds Robin Hood, and just plants one on him. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah. She shuts him up was, by kissing him.
2: Was, I think it was the kiss <laughs> that was the kiss heard round all the realms. That one right there. Yes. That was it. The kiss yeah.
0: heard round the world. Yes. And and, and yeah. again, several dimensions. Don't you know? And in several frequencies too.
1: <laughs> I yeah, love that yeah, he so, stood so, up and he funny. was like, "Milady, I'm so sorry." You know. And again, he's apologizing. first, I love that he called her Milady. And he,
3: apologize. Yeah. Oh
2: my God. Marry him. Regina. He's the one. Marry him, you fool. <laughs> Marry him
3: now. <laughs> I think true. she already has
0: married him, but that's just me. I think they're already married. <laughs>
1: in the past. Yeah. I think they, they got married them. and that's
0: why they connected so quickly. That's why they connected so quickly. They fell in love gradually in the past year. And and they're like mm-hmm. snow and charming. They're remembering a relationship that has already developed and they're already hooked up.
2: So That's I'll let you go on the play they by play.
0: I'll step, yeah, I'll, I'll, i have no objection to to you to talk about um, you know Robin's eyes and you know Regina and what happened after she planted one on him.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'll just sit back and enjoy. <laughs> All
3: right, hey Teresa. Thanks that for calling. So tonight. I <laughs>
1: Thanks, Teresa.
0: Yeah, yeah thanks for going. Well, hey, I, I love you all, and I'll tell you, the kids heard around the world, and it is so great to see Outlaw Queen see Regina happy with a man who respects her, who will give her some loving, and there's no surprise fiancé, surprise spouses, surprise flying monkey boyfriends, no curse <laughs> memories. Yeah, I'm a happy definitely. woman. We want to see some satisfactory loving, and they gave it to us, both with Snow and Regina and with Outlaw Queen. Have a great evening, everyone.
2: Bye, sweetie. You too, Teresa. Love you. Love you, too. All right, so, yeah, that was, um, everybody, that was Teresa Martin. She has written some wonderful origins articles on uh, Once Upon a Fan examining things from a literary point of view. I highly recommend that you go look up all of the origins articles. Um, she's not the only one who's written some. Amy has written a few. I've written some. Um, Lori Fitzgerald, one of our other staff members, she has written a few. Chris Fitzner, she has as well. Um, just examining a lot of, you know, the literary origins of these characters and the the comparison to their once-upon-a-time counterparts and a lot of other stuff. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, I really highly recommend that you look it up because they've all written some really good stuff and I love what Teresa does. So, yeah. Um, And, oh, my God, yes, that scene, I mean, I know that I may have just gotten a little bit crazy there a second ago for not only the Snow and Regina scene but also the outlaw queen kiss, but it's Mm -hmm. because... This show inspires that kind of passion and emotion in me as I think it does for all of us so i'm I, you know sorry if i if the volume got a little crazy there, but i won 't apologize <laughs> for the passing it because that 's how I feel, and I know that there are a lot of other monsters out there who feel the same way so um, yeah, this episode altogether um any what 's your you know What's your overall opinion? Oh, no, wait, sorry. I need to make another point. With what I was saying earlier as far as this is the kind of show we want to see, these are the episodes we want to see, these are the moments that matter to us,
3: uh-huh.
2: everybody just think for one second. Compare this episode to what we had last week in the Jolly Roger. The emotional payoff, the, last week it was lacking everything that this week had. I feel personally.
3: It's, um,
2: that's just how I feel. Um, I really feel like last week's episode, especially in comparison to this week's episode, was just kind of filler. I said last week that I thought it was boring. After watching this week, my opinion remains the same. Um, we want to see the characters develop. We want to see their relationships develop. We want to see the growth. We want to see events that matter. We want to see events that have consequences. We want to see relation, like the way that those consequences affect people's relationships. We do not want filler of a cape flying through the air, going nowhere. Like, I'm sorry. That's just not for me. I'll say for me. I won't say we. I'll say for me. That's not what I want to see. I am far more interested in the personal relationships between these characters and having them their situations, and grow together as people because that's what people do. So um, just my opinion, and I know there's people who may disagree. I'm not bagging on Hook or anything, but I'm just saying. So um, <laughs> that's my point there. So, Amy, overall, what's your opinion of this episode?
1: I like this episode, but after the first – viewing, I was a little bit confused by some of the flashback things with Cora and Eva and how that tied into, you know, Eva tripping Cora and the Miller's daughter. And another thing I always wondered about was if Cora, or not Cora, sorry, if Eva had been betrothed to Leopold since birth, why is she at Henry's stag party and the Miller's daughter trying to, uh, you know, vie to the one of his his chosen suitors. So there were some things that I was a little confused about. I watched it, you know, a second time and I, I did like the episode and like I said, I think that it had some of the best moments of any of the seasons. I really liked the visual of uh, like you said, the, the scenes with Cora leaving Zelina, I felt like visually the lighting in that was just absolutely gorgeous. The camera angles, beautiful. I loved the visual effect of Cora, her spirit at the uh, spinning wheel when they Mm -hmm. first opened the door. But of everything, I think we agree that those scenes between Snow White and her stepmother, Regina, were by far the best things about this week. And it's just, like, I feel like those scenes are going to stay with me for a while because it's really... Does, you get the sense that both of these women have, neither one of them is 100% innocent. They've they're both made mistakes, both been given misinformation. They've both kind of been manipulated. And, you know, it, it seems like they've let that go and they're ready to have this stepmom-daughter relationship. And I absolutely loved it. The only thing that could have made it better was if they had hugged. I, I, I wish they would have hugged at the end. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, My favorite scenes will be the ones between Snow and Regina, and I'm with you. Those scenes are going to stay with me for a while because what Jane Estensen and Daniel Thompson did was set a standard, I think, for Mm -hmm. what needs to happen in everybody's relationships now. Um, I think that they have raised the bar to a place that it needs to be. Um, I think it's a good thing that they've done this, and I really hope that the rest of the episodes can you know, kind of keep that going. Um, I know that because, I mean, it's also kind of weird. We only have two episodes left, and then it's the week of the finale. So that's I it. See. Um, we've only got, which, you know, and that kind of brings us to what we were talking about earlier. Oh, so wait, I have a theory. Okay, I have a theory about Emma. All right. So that shot earlier where Emma has a reaction to Regina saying that nobody has ever gone back in time before, Mm-hmm. Here's what I think is interesting. Bell tells, and actually, I'm just gonna I'm gonna read it word for word from what I sent you earlier when we were talking about it privately. So, okay. um, Bell tells everybody that um, Zelina is going back in time to change everything, and she says that brains, courage, a resilient heart, and a baby are what is needed to cast the spell. Now. Zelina has been stealing those things from other people in order to cast her spell, but what if stealing them is not a requirement? What if the person who casts the spell has brains and courage and a resilient heart? Um, mm-hmm. That's what I think is going to happen, actually, because out of everybody, the person who has those things is Emma. Emma's got right. brains.
3: She's great.
2: She's resilient. She's, she has all those qualities. I think that... The shot of Emma reacting to, to Regina's statement about time travel is foreshadowing. I think that Emma is going to end up casting a spell that redoes the timeline somehow, and uh-huh. um, and it's going to give people maybe a happier ending. Now I don't know. If, I don't think she can completely undo Rumple's curse because if that happens, then Henry won't be born. But I think that somehow the timeline is going to be reset, and Emma might have something to do with it. That's just a theory of mine. Of course, that shot may also have just been a shot, like a hopeful thing of her that maybe she could go back in time and rescue Neil or undo something else from her past that she doesn't like. You know, I don't know. But I couldn't help but notice that shot of Emma when they're talking about time travel and, and the past and everything else. Um, I also have a theory that the new snowing baby is going to be a girl. And the reason I think that is because if you think about it, Zelina doesn't just have parallels to Regina. She's got parallels to Emma. Both of them were given up by their parents right after birth, sent to another land, and then when they were grown, went back to try and find them. And then both of them found out that their parents are having, you know, that they had another baby, basically. Zelina found out about Regina, and Emma found out about the new baby. I think that the new baby will be a girl to kind of play off of that theme of sisters. Um. That's just what I think is going to happen. So that's my other theory there. So we're pretty much at the end of the podcast. So let's talk about real quick next week's episode. We've got a promo and an episode title. The episode is called A Curious Thing. It was written by Eddie Kisses and Adam Horowitz. And um, I just because of the title alone, I, A Curious Thing, I'm wondering if um, – I'm wondering if anybody or anything from Wonderland is going to show up. Um, specifically, I hope so. the lamp. I, specifically, I'm wondering if the lamp with Jafar is going to end up showing up because, um, you know, Nyx, the the guardian of the Well of Wonders in Wonderland. She put Jafar in the lamp, and then she, you know, kind of just um, kicked it off to another land. So who knows? where it went. Well, for all we know it could have gone to Oz of the Enchanted Forest. Zelena could have found it and worked with Jafar to figure out how to decipher the laws of, you know, time travel and stuff and do that because right. don't forget that on Wonderland, Jafar did change the laws of magic to be able to change the past. So I think that right. the fact that the next episode is called a curious thing may have something to do with that because Eddie and Adam wrote it. Uh the promo for next week looked insane. Absolutely insane. Yes. Yeah. Um, God, how do we only have one minute left? Okay, we've got one minute left of the show, everybody. <laughs> um, I don't understand. It doesn't feel like we're talking that long, and then all of a sudden it's the end of the show. So, um, yeah, the next week's episode looks insane. Selena is taking Henry, and all kinds of stuff Look like it's going to happen. I can't wait. I can't wait for next week's episode. We. I can't believe that we're already at the end of the season, pretty much, like, we only have two episodes left, and then the finale, and then another hiatus. Oh, my good gravy. What are we going to do? Oh, wait, I think we'll we have a plan for that. We'll definitely do some rewatches.
1: We'll have lots of stuff going on as far as the podcast. And we've got all the yeah. cons coming up, too, after that. So we'll definitely have stuff for the podcast.
2: Yeah, convention coverage and cover so things crazy. like that. All right, the show is coming to an end. We've only got 10 seconds left. Thank you all for joining us in the chat room. Um, To Sarah Benedict, Angie, Rose, Katie, Marie in Argentina, I love you, darling. I can't wait to see you again soon. I hope we can do it. Um, Sarah, please feel free to come up to Seattle. I'd love to see you. That's pretty much it for our show, everybody. Good night.
1: Good night, everybody.